You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. Our gospel reading this morning comes to us from Matthew's gospel in the fifth chapter. Be reading from the 38th to the 48th verses. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of God in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your siblings, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your God in heaven is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there was a pastor who was helping her 10-year-old daughter to practice reading in church. Mom, she said, I have that passage where Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Do you know that one? I do, she said. Well, I was wondering, do the other gospels have that one too? Yes, her mother said, they do. Well, is it different in those other gospels? No, it's really not. Why do you ask? Well, no offense, Mom, but I think Jesus is wrong. Sometimes the children say out loud what the grown-ups are only thinking. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Lend to anyone who asks. Love your enemies. We try to take that seriously, I think, even when we feel angry or that we've been wronged, or when we're caught up in a situation perhaps with someone who is just plain hard to like. Be patient, we tell ourselves. You need to move past it, because Jesus has told us that we are supposed to love our enemies. But you know, I don't know if it's this way for you, but it is for me. Hearing those words are one thing, and trying to actually do it is something else entirely. 
Genuine forgiveness is hard. And retaliation is often the first thing that we think of. I was thinking about this passage this week and I realized that life has never really required me to put my money where my mouth is on this business of loving enemies. I've never been physically or even verbally much attacked by someone who wanted to destroy me. I've never been robbed. I've never been beaten. I've never been cheated out of so much that I was left in an impossible position. Well, there are times that I have disagreed with someone. There are times when they've not been my favorite person, nor have I been theirs. But this business of enemies, that's a really strong word. And so I don't know how many of us this morning feel that we can fully understand the depth of Jesus' words when Jesus says that we should love the enemy. Elie Wiesel was a very distinguished author and professor at Boston University, and he was also a Holocaust survivor. His writings reflect the struggles that he endured. And as the chair of the United States Holocaust Memorial Council, he was asked to offer the prayer to mark the 50th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. It was a hard assignment to give to someone who had been personally affected. Wiesel had traveled a long and bumpy path trying to come to terms with the damage that occurs when your childhood is spent in a terrifying and humiliating, death-dealing concentration camp. For years, he could not even set foot in Germany or speak to a German citizen without this flood of anger that would just well up inside of him. It was a lot of work for him to forgive, and he engaged it on a daily basis. But that Nazi terror was stamped on his soul. And while he did not blame the younger generations that were in power in Germany, He still had difficulty with those who had been part of the slaughter, sometimes because they actively participated and sometimes because they were passively giving consent. Where were you, he would ask. Where were you when the killing was taking place? Why were you silent when a voice might have made a difference? Well, he got up to offer his prayer from the edge of the gas chamber there in the camp. And in that moment, Wiesel prayed that God would not forgive Auschwitz. And when I read those words, I've got to tell you, I was pretty well stunned. It was hard to imagine praying a terrifying prayer and speaking to the God of love with those unforgiving words. 
But you see, I've never watched my family be tortured. I've never watched them be put to death for no greater crime than simply being born Jewish. I've not been beaten by SS guards or stripped of my dignity. And I think if I had spent my childhood in Auschwitz, I might well have prayed that same prayer. God, please don't forgive the horror or the horror may happen again. Well, if you were here a few weeks ago, we reminded ourselves about the ways in which the ancient Hebrew poet understood the pain of being in captivity when those verses of the 137th Psalm were penned. I'll give you a little brief reminder. By the waters of Babylon, we sat and wept when we were so far away from home. And then we talked about how that ninth verse, the one that we don't often read in church, was spewing forth anger from a tortured heart. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rocks. It seems like even in scripture, it's hard to forgive and almost impossible, and maybe not even wise, to forget. So we ask ourselves this morning, how is it that we go about loving an enemy? Well, Jesus has some concrete suggestions for that. You do good to the ones who hate you. You bless the ones who curse you. And you pray for people who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, you offer them the other. If anyone takes your coat, you give him your shirt too. If anyone takes away your things, don't ask for them back. Do to others as you wish they would do to you. And I will tell you, I have heard some pretty good sermons in my day trying to get around those words. <laughs> but it seems that the suggestions just fly in the face of our human nature. They leave us vulnerable. They set the stage for people to take advantage. And sometimes, sometimes those words can be twisted around by the powerful to justify victimizing the weak. I wonder how many women have died in violent situations because somebody at church said, you need to turn the other cheek. I wonder how many lives have been lost. And so we have to ask, does Jesus really mean that a victim is not supposed to take steps to secure their safety and their protection? It sounds so easy, love your enemies, but it's a really difficult passage. If we read it as a proof text, if we yank it out of its context and try to make it stand on its own, it has the potential to cause a lot of harm. Jesus is not suggesting collaborating with the enemy by inviting violence on ourselves or on other people. Jesus doesn't suggest that we are not to name the truth or that we are not to refuse to go along with it when it happens. 
And for the one in that abusive relationship, Jesus is definitely not suggesting that you're required to stay. Jesus stands firmly with non-cooperation with harm, but Jesus also suggests that we ought not lose sight of the humanity in other people. So we can say that this sermon that Jesus preached is filled with some hard words, and that makes Jesus a challenging teacher. A challenging teacher especially for people who would like an easy way out. I think it would have been a whole lot easier if Jesus had just kept the focus on how much God loves me and left the enemies to kind of fend for themselves. But you see, the truth is, most of our quarrels with God are not because we are afraid that God doesn't love us enough. We resent the way God chooses to treat the other guy. The one who doesn't give as much as I do or isn't as well behaved as I might be, the one that doesn't have as much faith maybe as I do, the one that we could even call an enemy. Jesus says it's not enough for God to love those people. Jesus says, I have to do it too. You know, we have a problem right now with hate and violence in our culture. We've all seen it. We hear it daily. The kind of prejudice that leads to violence is shouted at us from our televisions. It scrolls across our computer screens. It takes over, and I'm still going to say Twitter feeds, even though now I know I'm supposed to call it X. <laughs> you know, hatred has become so pervasive that we've almost lost the ability to be shocked by it. Instead, we just turn everybody with whom we disagree into an enemy, demonizing their existence. And I believe we become addicted to the adrenaline that this constant adversarial behavior generates. But the thing is, Jesus people, if they really are Jesus people, they don't get to take their cue from the behavior of others. They take their cue from God, who is kind even to the ones who are selfish and even to the ones who are ungrateful. And the reason that we do that is because we know that God is kind to us. And we know that we can sometimes be selfish and often ungrateful. Jesus says that when Christians deal with human relationships in this world, they don't reciprocate, they don't retaliate, and they don't draw their behavior from the ones who deal in pain. Instead, they take the lead in being loving, in being forgiving, in being generous. And if you remember what Wiesel was so concerned about, you have to take the lead out loud. It's not enough just to hold it in your heart. We imitate Jesus, when we protect victims 
And we also imitate Jesus when we forgive enemies. It's a life that we build on action and not inaction. Well, there's just one more hard thing in this little sermon that Jesus preached. And it's this. There's something here about how we treat our friends and how we treat the acceptable people that we think are just like us. And this piece might be the hardest of all. In verse 46 that we read, it says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even sinners love the ones who love them. And in verse 47, it says, if you only greet your siblings in faith, or to say it another way, if the only people you hang around with are the people you know from church. What are you doing that anyone else doesn't do? And it ends with this terrifying message. Be perfect, even as God is perfect. And a little commercial for you. If you come to the Eastside University next week, you'll understand what we mean by that, be perfect, because we're going to talk about that. Hear these words from the Common English Bible. Just as your heavenly parent is complete in showing love to everyone, so also must you be complete in showing love. What Jesus says here is that all the good deeds in the world don't make you Christian if they're confined to the safety of our friendships. And failing to love the enemy in very tangible ways, just like Jesus suggests, is hard. Because we are afraid it might sometimes cost us friendship with people we love. When we call ourselves Christian, we give up the option of taking the easy way out. So in the final analysis, there's only one good reason for loving our enemies instead of just our friends. There's only one good reason for trading in the fairness of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and the foolishness of giving up a coat and a cloak as well. And the reason is this. God so loved the world that God gave without measure. And so the followers of Jesus are called to do nothing less than that. But there's a song from Cotton Patch Gospel that sums it up in just a few words. Turn it around. Turn it around. Surprise them a little. Start shifting the ground. To get right side up, turn upside down. Now is the time to turn it around. Hello, hello. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan Davis, and I've been invited to lead our prayers of the people today. Um, I've been a member for some time, um, and whenever I'm asked to lead our prayers, it's always an honor, um, and I pray a lot about it, and then what comes out uh, turns into a song uh, of sorts. And then for today, though, um, it just came out real frank, and so I don't know... Um, who this is for today, but as we meditate on our prayers, I hope that um, whoever needs it 
can receive it and take it into the world. So whenever I say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for our church, for its transitions, both needed and good and uncertain. We pray for new members and new staff, for foundational staff and members, and pray that there may be a bridge between all the iterations of who Eastside was, is, and will be. Let us learn to hold the hand within our own hearts that leads us forward and to each other. Let us reach out in comfort and also in need. Let us make a place for our children and for the children in us all who seek guidance and who are afraid of everything we do not know. Let us look to you for how to be our best selves. Open our hearts to listen for your still, small voice that would tell us when we are following fear rather than love and how to course correct. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for this community and for the city of Atlanta. We pray for the changes we are making in the landscape and those we are allowing to be made by not looking close enough. Life is happening every day and to all of us. Open our eyes to those around us. Let us not turn away from people we don't understand. If there are those who cause a wrenching in our hearts because we see them as diametrically opposed to what we hold dear or what we understand to be the true way of things, let us stop to look again at them with love. This will be hard and annoying because life is busy and we have to worry about protecting those who may be harmed and also the bills that must be paid and also the dishes that were just clean earlier and also thankful that we have dishes and that we have a home to put them in but also take time to understand and love others who are actively operating in ways that insult our souls and Lord, we are tired. So help us push past the tired. Help us lean on your strength and grace and love that extends deeper than any reserves we can carry in our own depleted wells. Help us use your light to be a light in this world. May this heal it and us and others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our country, who we are becoming, who we, who we always were, and who we may still be able to become if we refuse to stand by and do nothing. Lord, save us from complacency, from impotent outrage. We confess it feels overwhelming and out of our scope to fight the hordes of misinformation our countrymen spread about books and how they create confusion rather than empathy, about refugees and how they are here for theft of wages and rights and welfare instead of safe haven for their families and about each other, how we are all the boogeyman in someone else's story rather than just people trying to survive and thrive and lead better lives than expected. Lord, help us stand in the doorway between hate and action and deny it entrance into our house. Deny it a platform in our halls of power, deny it precedence in our houses of worship. Help us deny the hate in ourselves so that it withers away into nothing into ash, into not even a kernel that can be planted elsewhere. Help us refuse to nurture it in our own hearts or those of our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for our world and its increasingly precarious state. We understand that in every age, humans have felt like the world must be ending, but Lord, 
things are getting dicey down here and we would appreciate you wrapping your arms around us and telling us it's all going to be okay because we've really made a mess of your gifts both in ourselves and on the earth you granted us and we have not been very good stewards of either. Help us fix it as much as we can. And what we cannot fix, help us not abandon, including each other. None of us know what we're doing and that is terrifying. Help us be better. Help us figure it out and help us lean on you who always knows what to do but has been patiently waiting on us to ask and wants to love us but also let us be. God, thank you. Sorry we've made a mess of it all. We would like your guidance, please. And when you tell us to ask the part of you that lives inside ourselves and each other, please help us not to be sassy about it or to refuse to accept that as a solution. We want to do the best we can. Help us know what that is. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now I would like to invite you to a time of silent confession and meditation. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God, amen. As a forgiven people reconciled unto God, let us now show signs of peace to one another. Peace be with you. There is, as always, homework, and here's the homework for you for this week. Think about one relationship that you have that is strained or estranged or where you're harboring some of that anger and make the decision to simply turn that around, to put it down, to give it to God, and to extend a hand of friendship where that needs to happen. And now I invite you to go in the grace and mercy and peace of God our creator, of God our redeemer, and God our sustainer. Be and abide in your hearts this day and through the week to come. Amen. that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.